Well, thank you for joining us here on this Good Friday. You know, as we begin our time, I can't help but think that I'm sounding a little bit redundant by now. For the past several weeks, we've all been inundated with the news. We've all followed what's been going on around us. We're all aware of the truth. We're living in the midst of a crisis. We all are well aware of the fact that we're facing a global pandemic. And I think we all know that this reality, it poses a major problem for us. This is a problem that elicits fear, anxiety regarding the future. It's a problem that if we're not incredibly careful, we, we may encounter all sorts of other challenges. We're facing a significant problem in this country, and this is probably, for me, in my lifespan, I, I can't compare this to another season. And for many of you right now, you've been living over the last several weeks through this and you've seen everything that's been happening and maybe right now for you, there are many of you out there who are tuning in, who are feeling feelings of despair. Maybe for many of you tuning in, you're looking at the news, you're seeing what happened even today on the news and you're thinking there's no light at the end of the tunnel. How long will this go on? I want you to know, this evening, that despite the scope of the problem we're all facing, I want to remind you that as we open the pages of scripture together, we clearly see that the world has faced its fair share of problems in the past. Uh, throughout the course of human history, there's been problem after problem after problem. In the scriptures, we read stories of pestilence and plague and genocide. We read examples of people who faced immeasurable amounts of suffering and heartache. We read accounts of nations where they were warring against each other, families who were in turmoil, lives that were flipped upside down through tragedy and calamity. See, the truth is problems come and go. And I want you to know right now, this afternoon, for those of you who are feeling just such Despair, I want you to know that this problem too, it shall pass. This will not last forever. But unfortunately, once this passes, I, I guess I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but at some point, another problem will come. And when that problem passes, another problem will come. Another crisis will enter into our experience. Another challenge, another heartache will come. This is the way that life works. We're all living in a fallen world. See, this is just the way that it goes. And there's a reason why I, I know that this is true. There's a reason why I can predict the future and I can tell you that problems will come. It's because what we're facing right now, this pandemic, this is not a root issue. This problem is, is a fruit issue. See, according to the pages of scripture, the root of all our problems that we face, it's far deeper and far older than perhaps many of us can realize. And if you're willing to explore it with me this afternoon, I would love to just take some time to dive into the pages of scripture on this Good Friday. And so I want to encourage you right now to take your Bibles and open it to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, this afternoon. 
Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see the real issue that's plaguing the world right now. It's, it stems from Genesis chapter 3. If you want to use our mobile app, I want to encourage you with that as well. Uh, many of you have already downloaded that on our mobile app under the home tab. Uh, there's a fill in the blank section. There's also the scripture passages are right in there. You're welcome to use that. Uh, hopefully that's a benefit to you. But Genesis chapter 3 is where we're going to be turning. And as we begin, the first thing I want to address, number one, is the real problem. The real problem. Now, just to remind you the story of the Bible, it opens up with God creating everything, and everything God created was, was good. In fact, at the end of every day, God saw his creation, and he said those words, it is good. And after creating everything, including humans who were in relationship and partnership with God, things seemed great in the beginning. But if you know the story of the Bible, as many of you may be familiar with the opening pages, you see that this good creation, this good world where humans lived in harmony with God, in partnership with God, this didn't last very long. We read in Genesis chapter 3, that these humans, instead of loving God and serving God and working alongside God to do the things that God gave them to do, they decided to take matters into their own hands and exercise their own plan on their own authority. And so in Genesis chapter 3, we read of, for the very first time, humans rebelling against a holy and good and righteous God. This was the beginning of all our problems. This was when the first problem, the root problem, entered into our world, into our experience. And it's a problem that many of us know as sin. And according to the Bible, sin is the thing that causes all other problems. In fact, if you read through uh, what happens, the consequences of that first sin in the book of Genesis in chapter 3, you'll see all sorts of things result from that sin. It talks about conflict and pain and struggle and death. All sorts of problems stem from that one root problem of sin. And worse than all those things, at the very end of Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin ultimately, it breaks the relationship that mankind had with God. And so if you've got your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 3, I want to just read verse 22 through verse 24 for a moment. Notice what the scriptures declare to us. It says, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. He says, therefore, the Lord God sent him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned away to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, right now this crisis we're facing, things like COVID-19 that we're dealing with, these are serious problems. This is a major issue. But as I said, this is not the root issue. This is simply the fruit of the, the major problem, which is sin. All our problems stem from something that took place in a garden years and years ago. And sin, it ruins everything that it touches. It infects everything that comes in contact with it. And try as we might to, to deal with this problem of sin on our own by being a good person, by following the rules, by exercising all these kinds of uh, manufactured religion. 
The truth is, the bottom line is, we will always fail to meet that expectation. We can never deal with the problem of sin on our own. That's just the truth. In fact, later on in the Bible, after the book of Genesis, there's a a really smart guy named Paul who who knew a lot about the scriptures. and, And he says this in the book of Romans. He says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Translation, you and I, everyone, all of us, we mess up. We can't meet the standard. We're always going to fall short. We're never going to deal with this problem of sin on our own. Sin is the biggest issue that any of us will face, and it causes all other problems on the earth. Sin is the real problem. And so if sin is the root of all our problems, and the biggest consequence of sin is that we're separated from a holy and loving and righteous God, If this is our biggest problem, then what does that mean for us practically? What does that mean for sinful humanity? Well, I think it means this. Because of our sin, we're finished. We're done for. We're in serious, serious trouble. We're dead meat. I don't want to sugarcoat this for you. I want to give you the reality of the situation this afternoon. I'm not going to water it down. I'm not going to try to make you feel better. I'm just going to tell you the truth of what the Bible tells us. Because of sin, we're in trouble. We can't deal with this problem on our own. We're helpless to do it. We're goners. We're dead meat. We're finished. We're finished. This is the story that the Bible presents to us. This is the picture that we're clearly given from the the pages of God's word. Because of our sin, we're finished. This is the problem. This is the real problem that all of us are facing today. And, And if our story ended here, then man, God's word would be such a tragedy, wouldn't it? If this is where our story ended, that we're finished, that sin means we're done for, if this was the end of the story, then we should be sad. We should despair. When problems come our way, we should give in to the feelings of despair and heartache and and say, yeah, we're done for. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. We would naturally feel that way, wouldn't we? But thankfully, I want you to know today, this afternoon, that this is not where our story ends. In fact, this is just the beginning of the story. On this Good Friday, I want you to know that the story doesn't end with the problem. Instead, the Bible, it continues on for us. And what we see next, number two, is not the real problem, but it's the radical plan. It's the radical plan. In the midst of our struggles, when we were helpless against the power and penalty of sin that's, that's weighing on top of us, God rolled out this radical plan. It's a heroic and dangerous rescue plan that would cost God deeply because God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to be the one that rescues us to deal with the real problem. And in the Bible, we're given an incredible picture of this radical plan of God. The scriptures, they're filled with numerous examples that paint a picture for us of why Jesus was sent to the earth. And I I took some time this week 
as I was just meditating on this amazing plan of God that he rolled out for us. And I just took time to read in, in every area I saw in the Bible where it describes why God sent his only son. And if it's okay, I just want to read some of these for you because I think they're encouraging to me. In Matthew 5, 17, we're told that Jesus came to fulfill the law. What does that mean? Well, it means that God has a standard that all of us will fail to meet. He has a set of rules that none of us can live up to, but you see Jesus lived up to those for us in our place. He came to fulfill the law. Mark 10, 45 tells us that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, we're told that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. In 1 John 4, 14, we're told that Jesus came to be the savior of the world. And in 1 Timothy 1, 15, we're told that Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners. Sinners like you. And sinners like me. This is why Jesus came. This is the radical plan of God. This is why he sent his son. Jesus came to deal with the real problem. Jesus was sent to deal with our sin. To deal with our sin, with the greatest problem. This is why God sent his one and only son. And as we read through the story of Jesus and all the accounts of his miracles and, and the amazing teaching that he gave, we get to the end of the story and we get to a point where a week before he's crucified, he enters into Jerusalem with shouts and cheers, celebrating the arrival of the coming king. And then what happens only days later? This very Jesus is betrayed and arrested. They took Jesus, who had done nothing wrong, and they brought him into prison, and then that's where they mocked him and beat him. The scriptures tell us that they scourged Jesus, that he was beaten so bad that his appearance didn't even look like he was human. And then they took his battered body and they made him carry a cross to a place called Golgotha, a place known as the skull. And there after Jesus in agony, excruciating pain carried his cross. They took him there and they nailed him to that cross and they lifted his body up and naked with the people around him jeering and mocking him. The sinless son of God hung there gasping for breaths of air, dying on the cross for his own sin. No, for your sin and for my sin. You see, the scriptures tell us that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The truth is this radical rescue plan included the son of God taking our place, taking the penalty of sin upon himself and his own body as he hung there on the cross. This was God's plan from the beginning to send Jesus to be the savior of the world who would be the sinless son of God, the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, who's slain for us in our place, on our behalf, as our substitute. This was the plan. The radical plan of God that called for the death of God's own son. And God did this to deal with the problem of sin once and for all. And so after Jesus hung there on the cross, Bearing the full weight of sin, my sin and your sin, we read in the Gospel of John 
an account of the life of Jesus at the very end that Jesus, he used his dying breath to cry out and, and give one last word, one last teaching, one last message for me and for you. And so notice what it says as you turn to John now, John chapter 19. John chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. Notice what Jesus says with his last dying breath. It says, after this, Jesus knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst, and a jar of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said this, and notice this, this is the last words that John records for us of Jesus. He says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. In our Bibles, three words, it is finished. Or some translations may say it is accomplished. But in Greek, it's one word, tetelestai. It is finished. What does this mean? It means that the radical plan that God had for Jesus to come and take our place in the cross and, and provide full payment, full atonement for our sin, to deal with the problem of sin, it means that Jesus finished his mission, that Jesus accomplished the task that God gave him, that he fulfilled all that God gave to him to do when he hung on that cross. It is finished. Sin was nailed to the cross on that day. He dealt with it once and for all. It's finished. It's done with. He's defeated the problem of sin so that we could be rescued, so that we could be redeemed, and so that we could be restored once again to this rightful relationship and position as partners and friends with God. This is what Jesus did. This is why he came. This is what he accomplished for us. And this is why we call today, even though this is a, a story that is so tragic and so sad and so gruesome, we call today Good Friday because this is what Jesus did. He came to deal with the real problem, the greatest problem. He came to deal with our sin. And while I realize that right now today, as we're focusing on this amazing message of what Jesus accomplished, there are still many people out there who are still feeling the effects of the problem that's facing this nation. There are many people out there who are fearful. I understand. There are many people who are scared about the future. There are many people who don't know what's going to happen next. They're struggling with this problem we're all facing. And I want you to know that even though Jesus defeated the greatest problem, which is sin, that doesn't mean that life is going to be great from now on. You see, the effects of that sin, it still permeates the world we live in. Jesus hasn't fully redeemed us and lifted us from all our problems yet. We still experience these struggles. But I want you to know the hope that we have of Good Friday is that that root issue of sin, that was dealt a fatal blow on the cross. And through this amazing power of God at work within, within humanity, within the world, one day we're going to be fully delivered from all our problems. This is the hope that we have on Good Friday, that Jesus defeated the greatest problem for us. We could never do it on our own, so Jesus had to be the hero. And so the big idea I want you 
to, to, to leave with as we begin to close out the service in just a little bit with a, a, a short time of worship and reflection. I want to leave you with this. If you're feeling feelings of despair, if you're feeling fearful, if you don't feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel, if you feel like, like this may be the end, I want you to leave with this message. This is it. This is the big idea this afternoon. It is finished, so you aren't. Jesus declared, it is finished. So, so we aren't finished. We have hope. We have a future. Jesus has defeated the greatest enemy. And we can look forward to the fact that through what Jesus accomplished, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And so I want you to know it is finished. So you aren't. Sin is defeated. This is what Good Friday is all about. This is what Jesus did for us. He came to save sinners. And as we take time now to reflect all that Jesus did, I'm going to invite you, even though we're doing this through a, a computer screen or a cell phone or a television right now, I'm going to invite you to share a meal with me. This meal is known as communion and the, the church has gathered historically to remember Jesus. And they've done this through the sharing of a meal together. And I realize that we're not in the same place. It's hard to share a meal this way, isn't it? But I want you to know that as Jonathan mentioned earlier, man, the presence of God is with us. I have the presence of God in my heart right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, God is with you. His spirit lives inside you. And so as, as we now commune with him and we commune with one another virtually, we can take time now to remember Jesus together because what we're doing is a profound symbol of all that Jesus accomplished for us. And so right now in your home, you may have some things that you can use to, to, to demonstrate the symbol. Maybe you have crackers or you have juice that you've already prepared that we've asked many of you to prepare. Maybe you need to go do that right now. Maybe you don't have those specific things, but if you want to get the closest thing you can find to it, it's okay. Because what this is about is not the specific elements that you have. It's not about the crackers and what kind of cracker or what kind of juice. It's about Jesus. That's why we're here. It's about what Jesus has done. And we take this time to remember him. And so if you have those elements together now, we're going to partake of them together as one family in Christ. And as we partake of these things, I want to remind you that these are a picture of the body and blood of Jesus. Just as a grain of wheat is crushed in order to make bread, the body of Jesus was crushed for us. And just as a grape is pressed in order to make wine or juice, so Jesus experienced immense pressure. He was crushed for us. And so what we do as we partake in this meal together is we remember Jesus. We remember the body and blood of Jesus together. And so I'm going to read some passages of scripture. You're welcome to partake of the elements after with me. It says this, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, 
take and eat. This is my body. As the scriptures continue, it says, then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray together. Gracious heavenly father, as we prepare now once again to worship you song. I'm reminded of the fact that you sent your son to do an incredibly difficult task. The death he experienced was horrific. It was gruesome. It was terrible. But father, it was necessary because that's how terrible sin itself is. And Lord, we thank you that you sent him, that he came to this earth and suffered and bled and died so that we might find forgiveness. And Lord, there may be people tuning in right now to this live stream. And perhaps, Father, they don't know you. They don't know your son, Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that you would be drawing hearts to yourself, that Father, you could even use technology to make an impact in someone's life today because there might be people out there right now listening who feel like this is the end, who feel like they're finished. But Lord, show them that you have made a way for them, that you have made a way that there is access to you through the shed blood of your son, Jesus. Draw them to yourself this afternoon. We ask and pray, Lord, reveal yourself to them. Open blind eyes, raise the dead, Help them to see the light of the knowledge of your glory in the face of your son, Jesus. Help them to see all that you did to draw them near to you. And Father, you sent your son to die for them. Lord, we thank you for that amazing gift. We thank you that we can remember your son, Jesus, right now on Good Friday in this amazing, profound way. And Lord, we thank you that the penalty for sin, which is the greatest problem, and when your son Jesus said it is finished, it's because that penalty was paid in full. Jesus paid it all. And so, Father, I pray that as we worship you now in song, that that would be our heart's cry is rejoicing in the full payment that your son made as he took our place on the cross, that Jesus paid it all. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen.